Welcome to the Blue Fire Digital Network. Welcome to another episode of the War Is Everything podcast, where we share scripture, talk about the Christian metal scene and music, and help promote lesser-known bands. I am Zachariah, and I am your host. Today's scripture is Psalm 23, 4-6. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Very, very common one, but something to, to never forget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so welcome in uh, to our guest. He's a returning guest, but uh, today we get to talk about his band's uh, first original release. We have Adam from Classic Disaster. Super humbled to be here and thankful for being invited back on. Uh, definitely. So if if topics get talked about twice from what like got brought up <laughs> in the last podcast, it is because, as I've said the last few episodes, Hunter is not here. And last time Adam was on, I was not there. So that was that was uh, around Christmas time when I was taking time off after my son was born and Hunter was flying solo for a while. So if things get brought up and talked about twice, I don't care. It is what it is. You guys can hear the same stories twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to take this opportunity too to say, you know, Zoom to Zoom, you know, congratulations, you know, and uh, to you, you and your family, man. That's thank awesome. You. Thank you. So, as I was telling Adam right before uh, we we started, I'm not much of a podcast listener myself. I did not go back through and listen to any of the. Uh, <laughs> The podcast Hunter did without me. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what Hunter brought up and what got talked about. So if I start going down some of the same paths, just be like, dude, just shut up. We talked about this already. <laughs> nah, not everybody's got different, fresh <laughs> perspectives. I'm sure that's a good way to keep the podcast fresh, too, is uh, you guys switching off, uh, taking breaks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and just because, you know, we, it got talked about months ago doesn't mean we don't have new listeners that hadn't, you know, didn't listen to that episode or, you know. People exactly. forget things that got brought up and whatnot. So, um, yeah. And we have the same Bible that we did, you know, yesterday and a month ago and, you know, a hundred years ago. So, like, you know, we still keep learning from the same the same things, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. If you ask the Catholics, Catholics they're going to tell you that we don't have the same Bible that we used to. <laughs> it's true. Depends <laughs> on who you ask. And the, the new legacy standard Bible is the real one, you know. The, no, 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 the, no, 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 no. If you ask... <laughs> If you ask the fundamental Bastist, it's the KJV. That's yeah. the the real one. The that's real, the, real one. Yeah, the original. The real, the real, real one. That's <laughs> that's the one that God has preserved through time, apparently. So, you know. Oh man, I feel like uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're like me in this, uh, but uh, I feel like in the last in the last two years or so, two or three years since COVID has come up and everyone's been uh, consuming more digital content, I feel like I've been training myself up in apologetics and in cross denomination conversation, you know, <laughs> like I want to hear all the sides. I want to hear everyone's arguments. I want to hear like, 
um, everyone's perspectives and everything and see like, how does that line up with the Bible? And what are these meritable arguments? Are they not meritable arguments? And that's been my last like three years, man. <laughs> yeah, I it's somewhat similar for me, not so much because of COVID, but because of being in Blue Fire Horizon. Mm. I, I lived in a very, you know, before the band, I lived in a very small bubble. Like I, I knew the people that went to my church. Uh, not a whole lot of people outside of that. Like that uh -huh. was my my bubble. So like everybody believed generally the same things I, I do, which uh, I go to an Assemblies of God church. They are a uh, evangelical Pentecostal church. Awesome, awesome. Um, they are not a hyper charismatic church, which when you say the word Pentecostal, people picture everybody speaking in tongues and random gibberish and people dancing in the right, aisles right. and stuff. It's not a hyper charismatic church. <laughs> it, I, I mean, I feel like at this point, we have to all understand that if someone says that they're from a certain denomination, we shouldn't assume the worst. I feel like that's how we originally should have taken things. But like, you know, we're talking to each other as human beings. So I can actually ask you what you believe about whatever, you know, and we can have conversations right. about that. So like, that's so much more useful than me hearing that word and then having a list of assumptions on what I think that that means. Like <laughs> it's more important that I hear what you think that means than for me to have my assumptions. <laughs> right. Right. The, the biggest thing that I get all the time in disagreements with other people is on speaking in tongues because uh -huh. I, I personally believe that it is a, a gift of the spirit. I mean, when you, Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians, he talks about pe people speaking in tongues and not doing it unless there is an interpreter, which uh -huh. a lot of people tell you that, okay, biblical speaking in tongues is speaking in a language that other people can understand it, which Correct. if that's yeah. the case, why do you need an interpreter? Uh huh. Anyway, yeah. we're not going to go way down that rabbit hole, but that that's one of the, the big disagreements I tend to get in get into with people, you know, but outside of that, yeah, it's... I, I, I don't agree with everything that the church teaches, but I don't think there's anyone that completely agrees with everything that any church teaches. No, you know, no. It is what it is. You know, the um, uh, Hunter and I have talked about this before, that the Assemblies of God was founded on what they call the 16 fundamental truths. And I sat through and I, I studied them. And if you're really interested, I can send you an article later on what that is. Definitely, I man. Say I I fully agree with fourteen of the sixteen, and halfway agree with the other two. So, like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's that's a pretty good ratio there. You know, we'll we'll go with that. <laughs> I I grew up in a I grew up in a uh, very fundamentalist kind of background, and went to a school that was very Calvinistic, and were tulip believers, you know, or bacon believers, as other people put it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that your perspective on speaking in tongues is one that is shared among many denominations. And I think that people are just afraid of that conversation. But like, I, I feel like I've come to a place where if you can provide a meritable argument, you know, if you can, if you can make sense of what you believe and it's biblical, like it is, it is from the Bible, why you believe what you believe. And it's not just because of something that your pastor said or something that you feel or something that like, you know, give me some biblical basis and then I can take its merit, you know, like, I feel like a lot of these conversations, we just want to say because, 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 or because this is what tradition says, or because this is what this says. Well, let's bring it back to where that tradition even came from. Let's really study and find out, is this a conversation that we can come to an agreement on, um, even cross-denominationally? And okay, we may not come to an agreement on everything, but like, yeah, I'd, 
we need we need to have more good conversations and good debates so that we can realize that maybe we actually all agree on more than we think we do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I what I was kind of getting up before I went down my own rabbit hole a little bit was that I I lived in my own little bubble of, you know, the same seeing the same people and talking to all the same people and then being part of the music industry, my my friends list on Facebook and the people I've come in contact with has quadrupled in size in mm. a couple of years. And it's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and having those conversations with people that are from all these different backgrounds and stuff now has made me actually study more and learn more and be like, okay, so why do I actually believe this? Like where, where do is the scripture to back this up? Yeah. What about what these people believe and coming to an understanding of what all these different denominations believe. Because if you had asked me two years ago, yeah, what, what do the Catholics believe? Uh, what do the Lutherans believe? I don't know. <laughs> you know right, right. I, I have no idea because I and, had no reason to study it. But now having gotten to know a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, I know a lot more of what they believe and why. Yeah. And even the people who grew up in a Catholic religion and in a Baptist you know, denomination or in a Lutheran denomination or whatever, do they like, like you yourself, like you're like, agree with 14 out of the 16. How many of those are Catholics to where like, okay, I agree with what the Bible is teaching and what I'm hearing here, but I just don't think that I should be praying to Mary, or I just don't think that I need to confess to a priest or like how many of those who would identify as Catholic yet not believe everything that the Catholic religion is uh, standing for, you know? Technically, none of the Roman Catholics would disagree with any of them because Roman Catholics believe that the Catholic Church is basically infallible, and so is the Pope, and that it is the one true church. And if you disagree with any of it, then you then you don't agree with you can't disagree with any of it because right, it's right. all handed down by God directly and all that utter nonsense that Catholics believe. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and even and I think language is equally important. Like I I remember when the song, the holy name song came out where uh Tommy Green was saying that the the uh, Catholic Church, right? He was he was saying that the uh, let's come together as the true Catholic Church, and um, I didn't know. I, at first, I was like, "Is he Catholic? Then are we saying are we saying Catholics the only religion there?" And I've heard interviews where Tommy Green didn't identify as a Catholic; he identifies mm-hmm. more as an Orthodox Christian, and he literally meant Catholic as in just universal right. Christianity. Correct. That's what yeah. Catholic is. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know what the meaning of Catholic was. Right. So like. Oh, it's so crazy how like we we do need to have a generation of people who are willing to have the conversations, who are willing to define terms, who are willing to get on the same page about what they mean and what their intentions are. And, uh, you know, like be willing to take the effort to do that instead of just being like, oh, that guy's crazy. I'm not going to talk with him. We have we have no common ground. We must not because he's a. He's a assemblies of God and I'm a whatever. I'm a non-denominational, you know, or he's a Catholic and I'm a we have we have to be willing to have conversations with each other. <laughs> yeah. The the only people that I, I've started not giving up on the conversations with are Catholics, though, because mm. there is there is no convincing Roman Catholics of anything. Because if you de- disagree with the Church of Rome, you're the one that's wrong and there is no convincing them of anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I've gotten to the point with um, some people, one specific person, and anyone who's friends with me on Facebook has seen me interact with this person plenty, um, and I'm not going to name any names, but I've kind of given up having those discussions with him yeah, because yeah. I, I I know that if I disagree with him, 
there's no point in having the discussion because I know sure, that sure. I I know I very vehemently disagree with the things that he says. And there's absolutely no convincing him of anything because if I disagree with the Roman Catholic Church, then I'm I'm the heretic and I'm the one that's wrong, you know. You so, just you just need to try harder and speak louder. Try harder. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just more. kidding. Type with no. all caps. <laughs> uh, exact have you have you tried all caps? Have I you have tried not. it? I have not. I'll have, have to try you, that have next you time. Tried spamming him in his DMs, you know. <laughs> I am not Eric Matson. That is not uh, Yes. Oh man. Um no, you know, I think also with that, having the conversations, also recognizing when you can't and when it might not be you, you know, it might not be you who ends up being the person who argues with him on these things or, you know, presents the opposing arguments with with this person. You know, I've, I've had to learn that, especially this last year, because I have an addiction to uh, looking up ex-evangelical uh, and atheist pages who used to be Christians. I have like an addiction to this because I see their heart and I see the disagreements that they have with the church. And a lot of them are valid and are meritable. And I even was just talking with a client today who was saying that she got turned away from the church because uh, a bunch of people in her youth group were laughing at her because uh, she was wearing her soccer clothes from soccer practice into a youth group. And they were like making her feel weird about it. And she's like, well, I'm not going to come back here. You know, like, sorry, it came from practice, you know, and we don't realize as Christians that we do that and that we that we aren't always the most loving and we aren't the almost the we aren't always the most accepting and loving. And we don't always catch ourselves when we are thinking selfishly or we're trying to just be jesting and and joking and everything. Um, But like that was 20 years ago for her. And she still remembers that like crazy this 20 years ago and she still remembers that it's those little moments and those little interactions that turn people into this and of course like you can't they're human beings we're all sinners we all are going to make mistakes she should have been going for god and christ and not for the youth group all that stuff um but we are stewards of the people who are in front of us for sure so i get addicted to looking at these accounts and hearing these stories and everything and i want to be the one who's like but wait no you know like uh, it was because of this and that and like uh like you're you're saying this about Christianity and saying this about God, but it's not like the right perspective. It's not true. You're not, you're not taking into consideration this and this. And of course it ends in this, like nowhere, it ends in nowhere. You know, you're not always going to, you're not going to convince everybody uh, about things that you want to convince them of. And it's okay. If it's not you, it's okay to just accept that God may put someone in their life who will hopefully one day uh, be able to, talk and conversate about these things. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of get that in a way. Um, so I, I was homeschooled all the way through high school because my parents didn't want me being influenced by, you know, worldly things. And my older brothers went to the youth group at the local church. And the thing was, they started going to the youth group and even youth group kids are not the best influences in a lot of ways. And right. my brother started taking on some of the uh, less than perfect attributes of some of the kids that went to the youth group. And my parents didn't like that. And they pulled them out of the youth group. And then me and my siblings that are younger than my two oldest brothers never went to the youth group. My parents didn't want us being influenced by the other kids and, that kind of thing for whatever reason. 
Mm-hmm. That's that was their call. But I was always kind of the the outcast at our church because we came on Sunday mornings and I went to like the youth Sunday school class and stuff because it was it was just different. You know, the it was a different setting and different type of, you know, it was more of a classroom setting rather than the the youth group, which was. Let's be real, almost like a, a Bible based party at times, you know, right, right. whereas like Sunday school was more of a sit down and actually study kind of thing. Yeah. And I was kind of the outcast in high school because I was the one kid that didn't go to the youth group on Wednesday nights and stuff. And so I was the one that didn't really have any friends there because everyone else hung out at youth group and everything. So I, I kind of get that. And I, 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 I always say, and every time I say it, people are like, well, that's not a valid argument. I know this is not a valid argument, but the easiest argument to make against Christianity is the way we treat each other. None yeah. of us can get along. None of us can agree on anything. We like to argue about theology all the time, and none of us can agree and get along. <laughs> and anybody on the outside looking in, all they have to do is be like, look at the way they treat each other. They can't even get along with each other and agree with each other. Why would I want to join that? You know? Right. So right. It's a valid argument because everyone's like, well, that's not a valid argument. It's an easy argument to make, though. You know? I don't think that it's not a valid argument. I think that it is because you have an opportunity to be a witness when you are interacting with other believers. You have an opportunity to be the body of Christ when you're amongst other believers. And so if we are not aware of that and we care more about winning an argument or we care more about being right or we care more about how we look better or our denomination looks better than their denomination or whatever that might be, then yeah, we might win that little battle, but like we're not doing what we're called to do. You know, we're not, we're not called to like, I don't, I don't believe that we're called to um, die on those Hills. I think that we're called to conversate about them in love. I think that we are called to correction and we are called to know what good doctrine is and to be able to call out false doctrine. Absolutely. But I think that we can do that without the kind of, discourse that we create nowadays. I, I feel like there's so much discourse and um, we're, we're I, I kind of, I kind of uh, not to get into politics or anything, you know, not, not to get too political or anything, but there's very few people that a Republican can uh, share with a, a Democrat, right? And say, hey, listen to this guy because um, he's pretty well-rounded about everything. Because usually most Republican people are going to joke about Democrats and they're going to belittle Democrats and they're going to say like, oh, these Democrats are dumb because blah, blah, blah. And there's very few Democrat people that Republicans or that Democrats can show Republicans and say, hey, listen to this guy because he's pretty level on all these things because usually Democrats will make fun of Republicans and they'll say Republicans are dumb because of blah, blah, blah. And there's no like understanding of intentions or understanding of backgrounds or reasons why people do what they do. And Christians can do this too. Like, Oh, Catholics are dumb because blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, can, can we at least try to understand that they're, you know, uh, uh, made in the image of, of God and that we do share some of these beliefs and let's try to make a connection there and lovingly conversate about the disagreements and what we believe is essential or non-essential and correct false doctrines and all that stuff, but in love and with the intent that we are all trying to serve, we are trying to serve the same God. Are we serving the same God? You know, I think if that's at the heart of those conversations, I think we can have good conversations 
and it won't always end in agreement. Um, but if that's our intention, I think it'll look a lot different than us trying to like fight, you know, and us trying to ag- aggressively be the winners. If we are aggressive in truth and aggressive in unity, truth, but all, you know, in unity, I think that things work out a little bit better um, and not unified in anything that is not the truth. But if, if we are aggressive in unifying in the truth, I think that it, our conversations look a little different. Uh, more times than not, though, I feel like we're totally okay with just like not interacting with these people anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm you're wrong, I'm right, and I'm good living living uh, the way that I'm living. And you know, you'll learn one day. You know, we're good with just kind of making them an enemy. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a more Christ-like way that we haven't quite found yet, and that our sinful nature doesn't, uh, you know. Co- uh, calibrate with for us to be able to have those conversations. <laughs> Short and simple way to say that is that our job is to win souls, not arguments. Yeah. And if the, uh, the latter starts to affect the former we're we've gone too far. Yeah, absolutely. We, we can have the discussions, but once, once the discussions turn into arguments and start affecting our ability to, to witness and to, to reach loss, then, then we got a problem. Yeah. And, you know, to, to tie in that verse that, that we shared in the beginning, um, you know, I, in my own personal life and in people's lives around me, um, in everyone's life, you know, everybody has someone that they're close to that's going through a difficult time. Um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I truly believe I've been, it's that, that phrase, the valley of the shadow of death has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, I don't know if I shared this um, in the last episode that I was in, but I, um, my, my wife and I had a, a miscarriage last year and we lost our child and it's like the darkest place we've ever been in our lives. That's the most horrible, you know, devastating emotions that we've ever felt um, really had to come to a place where how, how do I reconcile what we have gone through with this hope that we have in God and this belief that we have that God is still here with us, you know, that even in the midst of this, like, why would he allow something like this to happen? Um, why would he allow uh, us to feel this kind of pain? You know, you start asking the question, haven't I done enough? Haven't I, haven't I like served enough? Like, how, how could this be what you have, you know, either planned for me or willed for me um, in my journey? And, and all of those questions lead you to either completely relying and reaching for Christ or, sitting in your nihilism, like sitting in, in the drowningness of like, man, it all doesn't matter. Cause you know, bad things are going to happen anyways, but this world, like this world is the Valley of the shadow of death. This, the presence of sin, the presence of death, the presence of confusion, the presence of pain and hurt. This world is that Valley of the shadow of death. And it is, it is the rain and the drowning and the, the waves. It is all of what we can fall into. That is that nihilistic feeling where fear can fester and where pain can fester. And we know that even in the midst of that, that we have nothing to fear that God is with us. The thing is that people who are not believers, people who are atheists, who are anti-God, people who are of a different denomination, people who are in our circles, not in our circles, the people that we interact with in a moment, they're in that same valley of the shadow of death with us. They're, they are right there with us. And we can either be 
like Christ and try to make a connection with them and point them to God to uh, to help them to see that he is there with them too, or we can just leave them behind and not care about the fact that whether they're going through something right now or whether they're going to go through something in the future or whether they have gone through something and that's the that's the reason why they feel so passionately against God or that's the reason why they feel so passionately about the things that they fight for and do in their lives. Like they are in the valley of the shadow of death just like we are. And we know that the truth is to reach out to God. He's reaching for us is to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We know that that's the truth and the hope that we can have in eternity. And just because someone else doesn't, doesn't mean that we can't connect with them and make sure that we are putting a lifeline on them, you know, put connecting with them in a way that's like, hey, look, I know you're, I know that either not now or maybe not later, but, but at some point you're going to be going through a time where you realize you're in the valley of the shadow of death, where you see it and you understand that. And I want to be right here with you to, to tell you that God is with you, that God is here, that God is, is waiting for you to accept him and to accept the gift of salvation that he has for you. And so if, if we don't realize that in our conversations, I think that we've missed it. You know, if we don't think, if we don't have that in the forefront or somewhere in our mind, when we interact with people, I think that we've, um, we've missed that. I hope it's okay that while you were talking, I was sitting there typing some of the things out that you were saying, because some of it sounded really good and would fit with a song that I have half written for a, mm. a different project, not for Blue Fire Horizon, but, uh, yeah. So I stole a couple of, the of course, things man, that you of just course. said. <laughs> no, of but, course, man. Yeah. That's it's just been on my heart lately, man. It's. Yeah, it's just been on my heart lately because like it's been six months and, uh, you know, I we, we've heard a lot of different perspectives from people who have also gone through through miscarriages. And I think that you you realize pretty quick that you don't have the same thoughts that other people do. You, not everybody takes it the same way. Not everybody thinks about it the same way. And I think that that's fine. Like I've come I've come to a place where I really don't feel comfortable saying I know how you feel. Like, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that to anybody anymore because the truth is I, I don't know how you feel and I might know kind of how you feel and I might know a relative feeling to what you feel, but I don't know exactly how you feel because I know that when we were going through this, nobody knew exactly how we felt. There was nobody who knew and, and knows like the, the waves of pain that come in and out and who can identify with that, but that's okay because... Like, I don't need people to know. I don't need people to feel that. And it's a beautiful thing when people empathize, when people come close to us and are, and are comforting us. And that's, that's absolutely welcomed and beautiful. But Christ is the one who knows. You know, Christ is the one who we were made. God is the one who we were made in the image of. And he knows our pain. He knows exactly what we are feeling. And he knows uh, our hearts. And that, that is the full fulfillment of that being seen and understood. If I try to go to people for that, you know, then I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be fulfilled. I'm not going to be satisfied in someone being able to speak back to me what exactly how I feel. It's not going to happen. You know, it might happen, but you know, it's not going to be the same as understanding and knowing the truth that God, that God sees me and is with me in the middle of that valley of the shadow of death, you know? So, Yeah. You're really easy to have with on a podcast because you do a lot of talking and I like that. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't have to, I don't know. It, it makes things flow easy. I, I can just sit here and let you talk. <laughs> it gets me in trouble sometimes. Trust me, but um, I appreciate you at least say, saying something good about it. <laughs> well, I think one thing too, that 
I, I, that's not something that my wife and I have ever had to deal with. So obviously I have no clue what you're, what you're going through. And the, the grieving process is different for everyone in, in dealing with any sort of loss or trauma like that. But I think yeah, yeah. that one thing that's important that is to recognize that having that connection or that, uh, that experience can, can be a useful connection in reaching people because, yeah. you know, I, I had my own struggles with, with, uh, depression and suicidal thoughts. And I, I've been able to use that to connect with people and help point them to, to God using that. Yeah. And in the same way, having that sort of a traumatic experience and, and loss is a way to help connect with people and to, to be able to say, I, I, I get it. Like, I don't know exactly what you're feeling, but I know what you're, you're, you're going through and what you're dealing with. Like, this is what my experience was. And this is where God was through all of it, you know, to be yeah. able to, to relate to people in, in, in different ways, you know, yeah. and be able to, to have that shared experience. You know, I, I do think I, I did mention um, this in the last episode that I was with with you guys, because I remember saying, like, I didn't know what God wanted me to say during our shows. And I knew I wanted to say something, you know, I wanted to, uh, I grew up with going to disciple shows. And so I, I grew up with the 30 minute sermons in between the, the head banging and mosh pit. Right. Um, and I knew I didn't want it to be 30 minutes, but I wanted it to be at least something. And um, I was really struggling with like what. I felt like God was giving me to share. And, um, and then when that happened, I, I knew this, this thing that I'm going through right now is not something that God wants me to hide and God wants me to be ashamed of, or God wants me to keep to myself. This is something that I want to make sure people know that I've felt these things and I've gone through these things. And I still believe that God is good. And I still believe that God is with me. And that I still have hope that all of the things that have been lost in this world and all of the sin that occurs in this world and the pain and the hurt will all be redeemed. Like I remember I, I was going on a run and I don't know if it was a wolves at the gate song or something. Um, but I was list, I made these playlists where I, I made a playlist that said um, it is well with my soul. And then I made another playlist that was like, it is well, even if it doesn't feel like it. And so it was like a bunch of songs that were just like, you know, sitting in my hate, my anger, sitting in my, my lack of understanding and kind of giving into that a little bit, which I don't recommend, you know, at, at a certain point, listening to that playlist made me feel numb, made me feel really numb. Uh, and I found myself gravitating to the other playlist that I had made that was, it is well with my soul and all positive music, all positive people who had gone through their own losses, Jeremy Camp, you know, Toby Mack. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a CCM child, so I like a lot of like, <laughs> you know, Christian contemporary music too. Um, but, uh, but just kind of turning things into understanding that God is still, still with me in that. And there was a song where it said, uh, that he, that Christ will redeem all that, that was lost or something like that. And I just re remembered feeling like re Christ is the redeemer. He is the redeemer. He redeems all that has been lost, all that has been broken, all that has been, you know, all that has died. He, he is the redeemer of all of those things, of all of my hurt and all of my pain. And the hope that he has given us is far 
more beautiful than the pain that we feel in this world. Um, and I know that I have the hope that I'll see my child again in heaven. And so like sharing those things, sharing those thoughts on stage, you know, and trying to bring it into like five minutes or so, <laughs> not, not making it a 30 minute sermon, but sharing those things like it, it God, God had just really attacked me with um, spiritual truths that I just wasn't grasping onto. I had them in my hand, but I wasn't holding onto them and grasping them. And I think meeting grief and meeting that kind of pain makes you hold on to it and make it your own even more than, than just having it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I always say, uh, five minutes is a little bit long, even for, for, you know, me, I always <laughs> say 30 seconds, Yeah, yeah. a minimum of 30 seconds. And usually it's right before we play graveyard of hope or where agony ends, because those are songs that are very near and dear to me. Uh huh. You know, I have that personal connection with and all that. And, you know, that they just make sharing the gospel easy. And it's usually something very simple, like, hey, this is what I went through. Mm -hmm. God was there with me through all of it. If you are struggling, I want you to come and talk to me and I can share my experiences more with you, you know, after the set and this and that kind of thing, you know, give them that. Let them know what the song is about. Give them the hope of God through it. Yeah, yeah. But if, especially at like a secular show, you take any more time than that, you lose them. They're, they're done. Like, dude, even, yeah. Even with that 30 seconds, I still get booed at secular shows. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, so. I imagine, I imagine so. And I actually had planned to do so, like a minute, like 30 seconds to a minute at, uh, we played a chain reaction uh, not too long ago. I guess it was, it was January. We played a chain reaction in January. And I was like so ready to have like a, quick version of what I was going to say. And, um, for whatever reason, man, I just, I, that was the longest one. I think it went like seven minutes. I, I posted it on, on YouTube. Uh, and when I posted, it, I was like, man, that was seven, seven or eight minutes <laughs> of like talking. Right. I was like, so crazy. Um, but that was a secular venue and I, I just kind of like, it just happened. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if that's ever happened where you just be in a conversation. It just kind of happened where I just kept going and I even asked them like, Hey, is this okay? You guys like you good with this? And the, and the crowd was open to me continuing on. And I was like, man, this is not, this is not <laughs> what I was expecting at all. And, and, uh, praise God, someone, someone accepted Christ from that show. And I was really, um, I was really, really like, that's the first time something that like that had happened for us. And, uh, it, it gave me like a sense of responsibility to try and, stay connected with that person. I have no, I have no clue, you know, what, uh, what the future will hold in regards to that. But like, it gave me a sense of responsibility, like, wow, like you have an opportunity here to, um, point someone in the right direction, point them to Christ and point them to, uh, truth. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I definitely would still probably like have a short version of it. The concert after that, uh, we like totally messed up our set, our, our, uh, our like connection was bad uh, with with our guitars and stuff. And so uh, we were we were playing out of key and it was like horrible the next show, like the next show was horrible. Uh, but like there was a beautiful moment before <laughs> that. And <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I just felt like, you know, when those feelings come up and you feel like the spirit is leading you to share like that for me was was like affirmation enough to be like, OK, even if this is going a little long, I think I think it's OK, at least just this one time. I probably won't make a habit of it. 
<laughs> but uh, that's a hard thing to discern. That's a really hard thing to discern. And I think that I think that there's plenty of like bands that run into that that like negative reaction where they share only the 30 seconds and they're, then they're booed off the stage. It's like, God, like, I know I'm not called to be booed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> See, <laughs> like, I told this this story multiple times on this podcast, but you get to hear it, too. And cool, I even cool. told it on this past week's podcast. So they're going to hear the story two weeks in a row. And I don't care is that the the first time I played a secular venue, the first half dozen shows we ever played were all at Christian venues. And there's maybe, you know, 10% of the people there are not Christians and might be opposed to hearing a gospel message from the stage. Mm -hmm. When you're playing at a secular venue, that's flipped. You know, maybe 10% of the people there are Christians that are there to see you. But, you know, it's a secular venue. Most of the people are there, you know, be, not necessarily because of you, but because of live music in general and right right there you know generally at least in wisconsin it's in a bar they're there to drink and listen to some live music maybe get exactly. down and hit some people in the mosh pit and call it a night you know and they don't really care who the band is as long as there's heavy music playing you know and the the first secular show we played i was i was nervous i'm like how are these people going to react like what if they boo me what if they don't like it and you know they they get mad and and you know boo me like that was my biggest fear and I started talking about it. And the second I said, the four of us up here on stage are all Christians. Boo. <laughs> Multiple people in the crowd start booing. I'm like, and at my, that was my biggest fear. But I was like, this feels good. It feels good to have people not like me for sharing the gospel. Like, it's a good <laughs> thing. You know, it, it like lifted my spirits almost. It, it was a weird feeling. Like, exactly what I was worried was going to happen, happened. But my own yeah, yeah. reaction to it was not at all what I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I wonder I wonder too if like in the mind of it's so crazy that I like it's hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of of uh, people who aren't believers. And I'll say this too: you you said you grew up in the church, right? Yeah, I grew up in the church too. So like I have no reference point to what it means to be an atheist. I have no reference point to what it means to not believe that there's a God or to not believe that the bible is true i have no reference point for that and i and i i like totally accept that and understand that because i think i think that sometimes even even saying like hey guys we're christians boo like i could understand that uh from an atheist perspective because how do we feel when we talk to like hey hey i'm a catholic you know or hey i'm a baptist or hey i'm calvinist you know like we understand what that means because instantly we might be tempted to feel certain assumptions about the person and we have to put those assumptions aside not be fleshly actually talk to the person give them a little grace but a, a crowd isn't going to do that for you like a crowd doesn't care you hear you you hear christian they're hearing the denomination that is hypocritical blah 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 like all christians are that denomination to them you know like of, of that camp and so like it's so it's so crazy that uh i i wonder if even just mentioning Christian to some people is a stumbling block block for atheists because that's that's immediately what they might think that just the word like it just it sucks um yeah it's it's just a thought like that's I, I hate that that's the the case that we're in right now because like you had said right how we treat each other is a huge part of what people see and right now if you look at online presence if you look at within the news and the churches like we're at each other's throats and it's it, that's the perspective that they see a lot of times yeah i i kind of get it so there was a few years in there where i uh i had walked away and was 
I don't think it was that I I didn't believe anymore. It was that I was angry with some things and like didn't want to believe. Mm-hmm. So there was a point where I doubt that I would have been in a crowd booing, but like if someone had said, "Yeah, we're a Christian band," I'd be like, "Eh." So right, right. You know. So uh, it wasn't a long time; it was a few years. But like, you know, so I I do kind of get that. And as far as like you you said online presence, so I I'm in four or five different groups on Facebook that are all different uh, Christian groups and stuff. Some of my you know. Some of that, all for different purposes, but um, in each of those groups, there are different atheists that jump in there to troll, you know, just because they do, you know, yeah, yeah. and I, I think about it sometimes, like, I swear, no matter what the group is, half of it is just a pissing contest between Protestants and Catholics. Yeah, yeah. It's what it all, half of the posts in there turn into some sort of an argument between the two and the sides are drawn. I'm like. You know, these atheists that are in here to troll us and these non-Christians, like, they see this and they're like, yeah, these guys are idiots. All it does, all these things end up being is the two of them arguing. Like, you And know. don't they realize that John was Baptist? Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hate that. John hate the Baptist. That. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> but don't, sorry, sorry. I had to throw it in there. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, I, does, I wrestle with that. that. Does that mean that John was John the Baptist was KJV only, or was he not like a fundamentalist Baptist? <laughs> well, he definitely wasn't. Uh, what was the king that beheaded him? Definitely Aaron? wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't the King Herod version. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> another bad joke. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah. So, like, I understand. I, that's something that I wrestle with, you know. And I think it's okay um, for like, I would never question your Christianity for, uh, and I would hope no one would question my Christianity for the like 30 seconds to five minutes that someone might want to share their testimony with the crowd. If they didn't start it with, I'm a Christian, you know, or they didn't identify themselves on paper as a Christian band, you know, or they didn't like, you know, if, if they were on paper, just a metal core band, and then when you talk to them, every single interaction you have with them, they're talking about something according to the Bible or Jesus or something. Cause that's like me, all my conversations, even with like my, my, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer. So I like, I see people all the time who are Christians, non-Christians, you know, atheists. Um, and we're here about fit They're They're coming to me for fitness. And so I don't generally like always talk about, um, my, my Christianity, but when there's a topic that they want to discuss that has to do with morals or has to do with politics or has to do with their life decisions or behaviors or whatever, I'm totally like, Hey, the Bible teaches this. And you know, this is the, this is the stance I take. I believe that this is true like this, or I'll say something like, this is what Christians believe. I'll try to help them understand that. Like, I'm always talking about stuff according to the Bible. Like that's, that is what I try to base my life on. Those are the kind of conversations I would have with someone after a concert, before a concert, like coming to me with a booth, you know, whatever. Um, just because I might not say I'm a Christian on stage or, uh, and I do like, it's, you know, I just, I just wouldn't hold it against someone for not doing that. Uh, I think that we have influence in multiple ways. And if we are using none of those influences for, uh, our testimony and evangelism, I think that that says something, but you know, as long as we're, as long as we're trying to be an influence for Christ. And as long as we are trying to 
use the gifts that God has given us for his glory. I do think that, that, uh, there's, there's some like discernment that can be made, you know, there's some discernment that can be had with, uh, figuring out what to do with that and when to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I, we had this discussion again last week on the podcast, which I'm going to bring it up again and make it short is that, uh, blue fire horizon. We dropped the Christian label from everything basically not because we aren't Christians. Our lyrics are all very explicitly Christian. We still share the gospel from the stage, but when you go to our Facebook page, it no longer says Christian metalcore band from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. It just says metalcore band from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. When you go on Spotify, it no longer says Christian metalcore band. It just says metalcore band. And the reason for that is that I've had people, I've interacted with people on Facebook or on other social media that when I try to share the music with them, that's the first thing they see and go, no, thanks. Yeah, yeah. How are they supposed to hear the gospel through the music if the first thing they read, they don't even listen to it and they go, no, thanks. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, we we technically no longer identify as a, a Christian metalcore band, you know? I mean, can you imagine if you, you know, you're all your advertising said Christian personal trainer, you know, like nobody right, else right. does that. I'm a Christian plumber. Like nobody else goes around advertising their business as Christian this it's you know that's their their business you know yeah kind of I think that there's um there's I I actually I try to do uh I try to do both if I can because I do think that they're man and I and I do want to point this out like this is such a hard thing to discern because it's not like the Bible has a verse on this for like Christian metalcore bands, you know, <laughs> there's no, you should, you, you must identify as a Christian metalcore band, or you must identify, or you must have a, a X amount of minutes message within your sermon, your, uh, your set or whatever, you know, like there's no, um, there's no like biblical verse on this, but like, I'm going to go to a skillet concert at, in this weekend. Right. And there's a bunch of other, there's, there's a few other bands. It's their, uh, it's their rock resurrection tour or something like that. So they're playing with some secular bands. And I am really trying to build up a community of Christian, um, of of like Christian rock and metal fan community here in California because like I don't know where these people are. I know they exist because I go to Skillet concerts and there's like a ton of people wearing Jesus shirts and like I I have no clue how to connect with them uh, other than to go and to share. Hey, I'm also a Christian artist. I also really love this band. I want to put on concerts that have bands like this here playing, not just Classic Disaster, but other bands where we just create this Christian community um, so that it's not just these like 10, 15 people and we bring our friends who are atheists and there's like, oh, well, what's going on here? How come nobody's here? We can actually have a bigger community together where we are able to invite other people into it, put on really good shows create a good event, you know, and actually have it be a scene, actually have it be a community. And so like, I'm going to go to the skillet concert and like, I have, I have here like a little card, little QR thingy. If anybody's watching this, you can scan that right there. Um, and it says, you know, SoCal Christian Metalcore. So I, I hate to break it to you, but we don't actually use the video for this podcast. That's okay. It's okay. It's just, yeah, <laughs> I, I put up in a, just imagine in your mind, a QR code and, uh, you know, scan it with your mind and right. it'll pop up on your phone. I guarantee it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's going to be just that 
and it says SoCal Christian Metal Corps. My goal is to um, is to find those people who are into that Christian metal core, into that Christian rock, Christian metal stuff, uh, to be able to connect with them in that scenario. I have a CD that I'm going to be dropping off to record stores and donating them and saying, Hey, we're a new band. Uh, here's a way to support you guys sell it for two, $3 to someone who likes this kind of music. And there's nothing that's Christian on the CD. There's nothing that says anything about Christian inside of it. There's a commentary where I mention it but there's nothing Christian on the CD. This is, uh, you know, th that's, I think that it's okay for there to be an introduction to where like we are trying to outreach and we want you to be brought into meeting us because we are going to be that content. We are going to be the ones who deliver you that message. We are going to be the ones who have those conversations with you. It doesn't always have to be on our marketing and it doesn't always have to be on our bio and it doesn't always have to be like on our labels and all that stuff. Like, we are called to be that the connection, you know, it goes, it goes back to treating people like they're, they're people making connections with people. Like that is how the gospel is supposed to be spread through those connections with people, not just your marketing, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, and I, and I think that it's okay for someone to be like, Adam, that's not the right way to do it. Um, cool. Let's talk about it. Like, what's a better way? Let's, let's, let's discuss that, man. Like, yeah, I, I would love to like, be in conversation about this ongoingly because there's too many people in like Christian metal forums, right. Who are just like, this is the way. And <laughs> it, it must be done this way. And like, no, it must be done this way. Like, Hey, you know, under oath has reached people for Christ and they've probably never, uh, had the Christian or at least not for a very long time, uh, have, uh, had that Christian label and aren't even identifying as Christians anymore. Personally, most of them, and yet, you know, God is still able to use that and uh, use the community that they were brought into, the community of Christian metal and rock that are believers that listen to Under Oath or are believers who listen to other music like that. That personal connection has led them to Christ. So, yeah, it's not all about the marketing. Uh, you're, you're totally <laughs> wrong about all of that. It's just, oh, sorry. Yeah, complete, my bad. Completely wrong. No, I love how <laughs> I love how Christian metal fans like to nitpick everything that actual Christian metal bands do. Like I had a dude that for like two weeks, anytime blue fire horizon got brought up in the Christian metal group on Facebook, the one with like 45,000 people in it or whatever. Uh -huh. Anytime we got brought up, this guy would go in and comment. They're not Christians. Their lead singer had an upside down cross t-shirt on at one of their shows. Cause <gasps> I was wearing the convictions. Yeah. Yeah. T-shirt. Yeah, this dude was like going ham on all of these commenting on it for like two weeks and then gave up on it, I guess, or whatever, you know, but I'm like, he should have tried harder. He should have tried harder. So they're so <laughs> at the same time, Christian metal fans are so quick to slap the Christian label on any band that has like vaguely spiritual sounding lyrics like right, right. Some of their lyrics sound vaguely Christian ish. They're definitely a Christian band like. You're, you nitpick the actual Christian bands and then like you want to just slap the label on everybody like what? yeah yeah and uh, honestly like that's even something that's hard because you'll you'll get bands who you have a couple of members who identify as Christians and they'll they'll like be in the band and so you'll get pages that promote them as Christian bands and so Age war August burns red Memphis Mayfire fit for a king 
Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? Like, I love all those bands. Like, those are some of my favorite bands. But like, um, and I and I don't have the best discernment with this. And I'll, I'll admit that. Like, I don't know if I've said this before. I think I said it in my like party, uh, my end of the year, New Year's uh, episode on Sanctify Studios. I have um, I have a YouTube page called Sanctify Studios where I do reactions to different Christian rock and metal and like some hip hop, like just Christian music in general. Um, it's so time consuming. So I'm, I can't get to every genre and I'm trying to give preference to like the rock and metal stuff. But, um, you know what, like I did a fit for a King song and I was like, at the end of it, I felt so like I didn't have enough content to go off of, to really have a good biblical discussion about it. And I felt bad. Um, and I think Ryan Kirby has, has some really great interviews where he does talk about his relationship with Christ, but I also think that there's a little bit of discernment that has to have, have be given when you're trying to promote a band as a Christian band, is their music promotable as a Christian band? Like, is it, is there merit to that? You know, um, is the music that is being produced in line with what Christ would, would teach? I think that's the question that people, um, have to ask or, or if you want to say, well, you know, we're not perfect. We're not Christ. Okay. Okay. Like, is the music in line with what the Christian lifestyle or Christian life would would be? Because we will go through suffering. We'll go through moments where we uh, have a testimony where we've fallen into sin and we've come out of it and Christ has, has uh, lift, lifted us out of that. Or we struggle with depression or we struggle with pain and we want to we wanna put a spotlight on that pain for a song and maybe we want to talk about that. Like That is definitely something we can do, but if that's all that we do, you know, like it's it's very hard to promote that as christian music so yeah i think that that's that's a that's a tough one that again like i think that's a discernible thing it's it's an ongoing conversation i know that for like august burns red jake and and um the drummer matt greener are involved in a lot of the lyrics and so lyrically it is very you know christian it is very spiritual it is all of those things but I'm sure if you have interactions with um, with the band, it'll be really great interactions. Uh, how much of it, like how much of it is, is going to be pointing to Christ? I don't know. Uh, did you watch that movie, uh, Jesus Revolution? I did not. No, you did not. Okay, so there's there's a scene in that movie. It's early on in the movie where they're kind of uh, they're they're uh, they're at this big concert. Okay, they're at this big concert, this big event, and. Um, and I'm going to be real for a second. Okay. Like this is just something I'm trying to reconcile in my own head. They're doing this big concert, this big event. And it's, and it's like a free mind thinking concert thing. It's not a Christian concert. It's an atheist, like free mind thing. A plane goes over and it drops drugs for everybody to do all this stuff, but it's about your welcome here. You're, you're, uh, you're free to be who you are here. You're welcome here. You're free to be who you are. You're free to be yourself. You're free to find your own path to God or find your own path to truth, find your own path, whatever, right? Very like whatever free, right? New but age you're, nonsense. but you're loved, yeah. you're loved and you're welcome here. And that's, that's great. Now this is like totally real. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against any of these people or any of these bands. And I love, love, love a lot of the people who put on this event, but I look at something like heart support who is there for people to be um, to be helped in their in their mental illnesses and their depression and to to talk to them and give them encouragement and it's a great thing it's an amazing thing and it's an amazing ministry for a lot of people where they're doing that 
and you saw the heart support fest where it was a lot of these bands that were coming together, a lot of these spiritual minded bands, right? A lot of these positive bands that are, that are talking about who have gone through depression, who have gone through these hard, difficult times. Some of them solid believer bands, some of them, you know, ex Christian bands and just, just all coming together for positivity and for uh, mental health and to bring people to a place where they understand that they are welcome. They can be themselves. They can be who they are, all these things. And I just felt for a moment, this comparison between that and heart support. And it's not, and it's not a one-to-one, I'm not saying it's the same thing. And I'm just like, I felt so convicted that like, I wish that Christians would do what heart support is doing, but make sure that they're giving them Christ. Like, because it ultimately, like, it's a beautiful thing, what they're doing. Like, I'm not knocking it at all. Like, it's, it's a beautiful thing what they're doing, but I just wish that we could do something like that and make sure that the heart of it was Christ and not just, um, you know, I don't even want to say not just it's, again, something I'm discerning through in my own heart and mind. Like, like it, it's gotta be more than just health. You know, it's gotta be more than just, and I, and I think you could probably speak to that. Um, having said that you like went through something like that, like that's it. What, what do you think about that? Cause I am literally just kind of thinking through this in my own mind and head. Well, without, presenting Christ as the the center of it you're you're trying to treat symptoms okay yeah you're, you're not actually offering uh, the the cure and not that there's necessarily a cure so to speak not you know becoming a christian and coming to christ doesn't bam you're you're perfect there's no more issues everything's great i'm not because that's not that's not how that works i think we can easily agree on that but the the eternal cure i suppose you could say it you're what good is it to to feed a homeless man only for him to you know have to die a week later of starvation mm. without christ yeah because i know, want in, everyone to yeah i want everyone to hear this like i don't i, I don't want to i want everyone to understand like from what we talked about before being in the valley of the shadow of death i 100 percent believe heart support is being with people in the valley of the shadow of death that 100 that is being with people and connected with people in the valley of the shadow of death but i also believe that if we're not eventually pointing people to the one who brings us out of that ultimately eternally right like that that is the answer that is the eternal cure like that is what i'm speaking to does that make sense yeah yeah and that that's kind of what I, i'm getting at is like you can you can you're trying to like if you're trying to help them physically it doesn't do any real good for them if you are not trying to help them spiritually as well. Because, sure, let's say, you know, you through heart support or any other number of charities or events or uh, organizations, they talk someone off the ledge. Someone is going to commit suicide and they get talked down off the ledge. They end up living for the next 50 years, but they're never shown Christ and they die what in the end what real good did it do i i and i'm I, i'm trying to save us both from getting canceled here i think <laughs> that there's plenty of good that can happen in 50 years of someone's life that they do for other people maybe um and maybe like it's it's such a weird thought like this is this is literally just thinking out loud you guys um that yeah i see what you're saying if if in eternity 
we did not lead them to Christ and they ended up going to hell and not and not accepting Christ, um, did we save them? Did we save them from from the the harm that they did to themselves, or we do, did we just put a bandaid on them long enough for them to live their life with joy? Maybe like that, and and maybe that's the the testimony is that people get to see us um, doing what God has called us to do in being with people in the storm and and um, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Right, that is still that is still part of that. Right, loving our neighbor as ourselves. That that is one hundred percent a part of that, but if we're not giving the gospel and if we're not, you know, yeah, if we're, if we're not thinking with their eternity in mind, what does that mean in, in the perspective of their life? You know, it's, I just, I just wish that, um, and, and maybe it is just the connections. Maybe it is just the personal connections that we talked about. Maybe heart support is the vessel to where believers can be there and connect with those people, lead them to Christ in that place where they're saying, hey, heart support in and of itself is not a Christian organization. It's not a Christian thing. And we've got plenty of people who are not Christians who come in and are part of this event. But the Christians are the ones who go in and say, hey, this is a beautiful moment. This is a beautiful thing that we're doing. But I got to tell you, this isn't going to be what fixes it for eternity. And if you want this to if you want this to be something that really does save you and really does give you eternity uh, of life and not an eternity of death, then this is the this is the truth that Christ is the one who's going to save you. That Christ is the one who's going to be able to deliver you from the things that you're going to redeem all of this pain, redeem all of this depression, redeem all these things, and give you that hope of eternity with Him in heaven. Um, yeah, man, it's just. I mean, what is what does Scripture say? And I know this verse is in reference more to to wealth but i think it 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 still makes sense is what what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul mm. what what good is it to you know i mean think of if you think of it like a, an illness thing okay let's say someone has a, a terminal illness and you can try to postpone it you can you know uh try to to treat the symptoms make them more comfortable yeah, yeah. But what what's better? What's better? Giving them stuff to treat the symptoms or finding the cure and giving them yeah. that. You yeah, know? yeah. So it I I in the end, what what happens to us here on earth in the, the grand scheme of things and in the big picture really does not matter. It does and it doesn't. We're a vapor. It does. Yes, it does. Because what happens here on earth determines what happens after, but we have all of eternity to think about. Yeah. If we, if our focus is on the 70 years we've got here, we're not focusing on the right thing. So like for, if as a Christian, you are, are treating the symptoms, but not offering the cure, you're going about it wrong. Yeah. You know? And our hearts are like, you know, we want you to feel, we want you to feel loved and we want you to feel good. And we want you to, to overcome the depression. We want you to overcome the the mental illness and we want you to overcome all the things you're overcoming, but it's like, we want you to get the real cure, you right. know, more like we, I, I train clients and, and, uh, sometimes, uh, we'll, I'll have a client come in and they want like a really good workout. Like they just want a really good workout. And like, it's, it's really hard to 
to teach someone that one workout will not mean that you reach your fitness goals, you know? So like, it's not going to be one good workout that, that, uh, ends up doing it for you. It is the commitment that you make over the course of a long period of time that determines whether you reach your goal or not. And so like someone will just come in like, man, I didn't feel like I had a good, I want you to make sure you give me a good workout next time. It's like, if I give you a great workout today and I make you sweat and I kill you and I like, you know, make you <laughs> sore and all this stuff, you probably will not come back tomorrow. <laughs> you know, you yeah. probably will not come back next week or whatever. And so like, we have to have the long term in mind. I want to give you that good workout, but I want to give you your, your results more. You know, I, I want you to have the result more than I want you to have the good workout. And I think that that's a similar mindset that we can have with this. It's like, we want you to have the temporary relief, but we want you to have the, the eternal salvation more, you know, such, and it's such a hard, it's such a hard thing to, to want and say without sounding like a horrible person. Like what? Like, right. it's not enough to just like, it's not enough to just, uh, overcome this for the next year or overcome this for the, for 50 years, right. To overcome this for the next 50 years and have a good life. Like it's beautiful to overcome it and to have a good life, but it's more beautiful to have eternity with Christ, you know, and that beautiful life for 50 years or more, um, hopefully more than 50 years, you know, uh, that beautiful life, if it ends in hell is not, you know, is, is what we're trying to speak to, you know, that that's, that's the outcome we don't want. That's the outcome that we're like, our heart is for you to have a good life, but our heart is more so for you to have eternal life, you know? Yeah. Um, man, I hope you don't get canceled for this or that I don't get canceled for this. And we've said enough things that if we we're going to get canceled, it would have happened by now. And <laughs> nobody cares enough about us to actually cancel us. So, you know, you have to actually be somebody in order to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> well, then thankfully, uh, thankfully, we're we're the nobodies, right? We're the outcasts. So it's all good. If if we didn't get canceled for uh, um, talking about uh, Robert from Searching Serenity, holding up swastikas and stuff to in the middle of an episode, this then this won't get us canceled. Oh, gosh. So the, the story cool, behind cool. that. <laughs> really quick we had uh robert from searching serenity and zach from glay on and hunter and i are very close with those guys so uh -huh. it was a lot of jokes a lot of laughs and so what would happen is one person would be talking and the other three of us would be trying to distract each other without talking and get each other to laugh and send jokes and stuff and so uh -huh. robert I don't remember who was talking, but Robert just like slowly held up his phone to the screen and there's the swastika on it and stuff. And we were oh, all like, oh man, he's just trying to get <laughs> us to laugh and stuff. And of course it worked. And anyone that listened to that episode was probably like, these guys are idiots. Everyone's just laughing the whole time. But you know, so yeah, it, we, if telling that story and bringing up Nazis and stuff, isn't enough to get us canceled. I, we're not going to get cool, like, cool. canceled. <laughs> well, since you mentioned Robert, I'm I'm happy to say uh, it's a good segue. Um, Robert, uh, man, I, actually, can you answer this for me? Is it Robert Manzone or is it Robert Manzoni? So is I asked him about them? that. I asked him about that. And it, he said nine times out of 10, people say Manzone, but tech, and even he says it a lot, but technically it should be Manzoni. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. And so, I had my first reaction for uh, searching Serenity on Sanctified Studios, and I was like, I said Manzoni, and it felt wrong. 
Yeah. So <laughs> he he said it is a, an Italian name. So right, right. He, everyone, even like his family, says Manzone, but he's like, yeah, technically it probably should be Manzoni because it's an Italian name, and that's just how it would be pronounced. But, but I, I'm pretty I, sure he, even he says Manzone because that's just what everybody says. And he's like, he's the man. And so wherever he goes is the man's own. Yeah. So like, it just makes sense. You know, it's totally, he even made that joke. So (laughs) (laughs) cool, cool. Um, no, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so Robert Manzone actually did the uh, mixing and mastering for our new single that's coming out, uh, to the ground. So, um, yeah, I'm super, it was super awesome to be able to have him be a part of that. I'm not, I can't say that I'm like super, super close with him. Cause we've had some good conversations and everything and he's awesome dude. Like I, I want to be a close friend with him and hopefully that, that happens more and more as we, uh, as we uh, continue through the songs that we're doing together. Um, cause he's just, he's just an awesome dude all around. I saw his like tune it low, uh, covers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He was on the contagion fest with us when we, uh, when, when I was, uh, doing that and, uh, he's just an awesome dude helps out in youth group. Like he's a solid guy. He's, he's the man. I have a group chat with him, Zach and Hunter that literally all we do is just send each other memes all day, every day into that group. And it's just, it's great. Fun <laughs> <That's times>. awesome. <laughs> I I'm, you know, it's so sad. I feel so bad. And I mentioned this last time too, like I'm a part of so many group chats. I feel like I'm probably a part of that group chat and I just don't check it because I'm so bad. I'm so intimidated by like a bunch of people in a group chat get me one-on-one with an atheist and I'll like, I'll spam and we'll go back and forth for, for days. But, uh, in these, I got invited to all the time. I get invited to join group chats and join Facebook groups and all this stuff. And for a while I'd be like, yeah, I'll hop in there. And eventually got to the point. It's like, you know what? It's too much. Like I got to focus my own attention into the handful of things instead of like, 20 different group chats that people want me to be a part of and you know, all these things. And like, I'm in a lot of them still, but I keep them on mute, honestly. So I don't get constant notifications because there was a point where every time I looked down at my phone, I had like 12 new messages from six different groups. And I'm like, this is too much, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, and like my wife and I share our computer, my, my laptop. And so like I'm limited on time when I can do sanctify studios videos but all of my editing is on my phone. All of my editing is on my phone. Mm. So like I will get notifications all day long and I want to answer them. I want to check them. I want to respond, but it's like I either I either like respond to everyone and never get any of the content out or I just like try to get the content out and by that time I'm so sick and tired of looking at my phone that I just like put it down and, and go do something else. And so I always end up just like missing out on conversations. And then by the time I get back to them, the conversation's done. And it's like, oh, man, (laughs) (laughs) like I missed it. I mean, I couldn't give my meme and joke. It'll be it'll be too late. I should just do it as a joke and and say this was for the this was for the conversation 10 minutes ago. See, I've gotten to that point with our own Blue Fire Horizon Discord server a lot of the time, as much as I hate to say it. And I know we have a lot of people in our server that are listening to this. And I try to like keep up with it and read through a lot of the stuff. But like there are times, especially like when I'm at work and I haven't had my phone on me in four hours and I open it up and there's, you know, 25 different uh, messages in 16 different channels and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have the time or energy to read through all of this 
right now. <laughs> and you got <laughs> you know? like family and you've got ministry yep. and work and like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to do. Like, I don't want, I don't want to like say that we're suffering or anything, but it is tough to find the time to do the things that we all do when you're creating content and you're, you're, you know, putting out music as a band. I'm sure you have moments where you're like, I really want to record this, but I've got real life things I got to do. <laughs> I've got to do right now. And uh, I, yeah. I always wanted to like be like, I see other bands and stuff. I'm like, I, I want to be that, that artist that no matter how big I get, I still take the time to like interact with people and all that stuff. And like, we're not even a popular band and I'm already at the point where I'm like, I get why so many people just ignore their fans. You know, yeah, like yeah. I, I could take the time to respond to every message, to be in all the group chats, to really pay attention to everything in the discord server and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but that would take all the energy and time that I have, <laughs> you know, to just really focus on all of those things, you know? Yeah. So like, and sometimes I feel bad too. Cause I'll sit and scroll through Facebook and I'm like, yeah, I could take some time to like interact with fans and stuff doing this. But like, just scrolling through Facebook is kind of like my, my me time, you know, like just to sit and spam post 12 different things in an hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. But, uh, yeah. So Robert, Robert did the uh, mixing and mastering on the song and I'm super, I'm super excited for people to hear it. Cause he's an awesome dude from the first searching serenity song I heard. And then we were able to do a, uh, a collaboration on a Memphis Mayfire song, uh, legacy, and that was like super fun, super cool. He did a great job with the with the music. And I had wanted to um, pay someone else to do mixing and mastering in the past. And I really thought that that's how it was going to go. But once we got like quotes and once I realized how much it was going to cost to market and once we played a show that was a big venue and we didn't bring the fans and had to pay out for it, like, like OK, finan financially, this is not going to look the way that I thought it was going to look. And so I was set on like this first couple of songs we're putting out we're going to do it as diy as possible and reach out to the community a little bit more and you know um robert manzone he's been with classic disaster from the beginning of us being a part of uh, contagion fest and we've gone back and forth since then um and uh we got christopher adam to do our album art he's from for the rock yep. and uh you know i i'm really excited for this to just be something that involves different parts of that of like the christian metal christian rock community and so like you know it's it's been fun to like see that happen and for them to say yes and for, for it to just start happening so it's been super cool um yeah the the finances are a tough one so yeah i get that we went as much we we do all of our own recording and everything in our own home studio and whatnot so the only thing we pay for is the mixing and mastering and total cost on disease was about eight thousand dollars Woo! yeah that's which is everything. great which is which is great by the way yeah that's compared to yeah that, that's amazingly great compared to uh getting it professionally that's, like you know top notch done because yeah like that's that's awesome yeah that's very low budget for an album but we we took some we had like a gofundme that we set up and we got some donations through that. We did like some pre-orders and merch bundles and stuff. 
and we I, I I'd have to really look back, but maybe most we got from all of that and stuff was two to three grand. Yeah, yeah. The other five grand came out of pocket from band members. Yeah. And yeah. like we we've sold some CDs since then and you know, some some t-shirts and stuff and all that kind of thing. And in the end, like uh for for small bands like ours. It's tough. You know, you want to make the really good music with really great mixing and mastering. And then when you look at how much that's going to actually cost, you're like, uh, okay, well, 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 how can we do this cheaper? (laughs) In the end, it doesn't really matter because people are still going to say it sucks and people are (laughs) still, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, in, in, that's why we just embraced it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I love your album. I love, it was so cool to hear like the, uh especially your vocals man like i i i get afraid of going too low with my own vocals because it's not something i grew up with um i really wish like you're wearing an impending impending doom shirt i really wish that i grew up in the impending doom world but i didn't and so like impending doom was in my backyard and sleeping giant was in my backyard i could have gone to those shows bro like i could have been in that scene but I was too busy listening to Thousand Foot Crutch, <laughs> waiting hey, man, for them I grew to up the Thousand Foot Crutch. <laughs> you know, here's here's the funny thing: my vocals throughout disease are held back mm. from how low and how aggressive I would want to go uh-huh. because I'm the I'm the one deathcore guy. Okay, so okay. Throughout the entire process of it, it was back off, man. Like the vocals are too aggressive. Like <laughs> you know, so like. Little little secret, it's not 100% confirmed. It, it's still in the, the works right now and in writing process for it, but I have a, a little deathcore side project right now Ooh. that, that uh, I'm working on with a buddy. It's just going to be the two of us. Uh, he does guitars and mixing and mastering. I do vocals and drums, so that's what we need. Awesome. Sounds and, good. Uh, yeah, so I, I wanted an outlet to really... Uh, let my vocals shine, you know, do go as not shine, but go as aggressive as I actually want to, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I have absolutely no clue when all of that will actually happen right now. It's just kind of in the, the, the writing phase and ideas sure, sure. phase, but at some that's point, awesome. you know, that's awesome, man. I, I think that I think we live in a time right now where like put out any kind of music you want to, it's going to speak to somebody um find the people to collab with and i and like i i do believe that we have the capability now that nothing creatively that we have in our hearts and our minds is is like meant to stay there like we have the ability to put it out let's just put it out i wish more bands wouldn't feel like the pressure to be signed to a label to have to tour the album to have to make cds for an album i've thought like for years pillar just make an album just put it out there just have it available for stream. I love Pillar. I love that band. Like put put out an album. Do it. Just do something. Give us more, please. Uh, it doesn't have to be toured. It doesn't have to be any of those things. You know, like just even if it's bad quality recording, like uh, just do it, See, please. That and, that's the problem though with a bigger band like Pillar. So for us, we can record and spend eight grand on an album, and drop five grand of it out of pocket now that's tough on finances for four people to you know put five right, grand right. into it but 
for a, a band of that level to create an album at the, the quality level that they're going to be, that's going to be expected of them. They're not going to make their money back. If all they do is make the album and put it up on streaming services and sell some CDs. I, I would totally they, think that if, if I would totally think that if Noah Henson was not already a like producer himself, because he could produce the music. Okay, I didn't know that. I don't, I'm not. I, I used to listen to Pillar all the time. Um, back in my like early high school days when I was like 14, 15, when I was really into more hard rock, you know, uh -huh, Skillet uh -huh. and Pillar and Thousand Foot Crutch and stuff. But I well, like every I every band say, has. I haven't listened to Pillar in probably eight years. <laughs> it's all good. No, no, it's all cool. It's all cool. I that's like that's my my go to like workout music half the time is like some good Southern Rocky sounding Christian band, but um. But yeah, like every band nowadays has somebody who's like dabbled in production and he's actually been doing it for, for a long time really well. And yeah, it's just like, oh man, if you've got a person who does production, like I, I think of probably someone else you probably haven't heard of in a long time is MXPX, right? Like MXPX, they went from signed professional recording to completely do it yourself to like, I think they only do like live recordings now of their stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like we can do that now. Emery did the same thing. Emery, uh, Emery did the same thing. I think under oath is doing that too. Yeah. I just, I, I wish there wasn't the same kind of pressure. Like, Oh, if, if a band is going to put out a new album, it has to be better and bigger than their last one. It, you know, I'm, I'm totally content with just another, <laughs> you know, I'm totally content with just another one. Uh, yeah, but that's my own personal preference, but um well i think that if you're going to put out music you should at least keep it at the same quality same quality level as what you had released before sure sure because you are going to get those people that are going to buy it and you don't want to sell them a lesser quality product when they're expecting something better yeah yeah so like we got halfway through um we had someone mixing and mastering disease and we got about halfway through it and about half the mixes back. And we went, you know, these mixes are okay. But they're not even at the same level as Down with Leviathan was. Mm. And we scrapped it. We said, yeah, we yeah. paid him for his work. And we said, I'm sorry. It's just not quite what we want. Yeah, yeah. Here's the money for your mixes. We're going with someone else. And we went back to the guy who did Down with Leviathan. Because he since then had been gotten better and done more and it had been a couple years and he even quit his full-time job to do mixing and mastering and stuff so like uh -huh. um he was only working part-time and he had learned a lot more and i listening to it i think disease sounds better than down with leviathan did you know it's just a couple years more of experience for the guy but yeah yeah because we didn't want people to listen to down with leviathan and then like pre-order disease only to get it and go this sounds like crap compared to what they did before you know mm-hmm kind of thing and like i feel bad because uh <laughs> um the guy who was mixing and mastering it said okay i understand and then blocked us all on social media uh. <laughs> but it is what it is you know he got paid for his work we didn't you know it's not like we were like yeah it's garbage we're not gonna pay you kind of thing you know he he got paid for his time you know but it is what it is but that that's my whole point is that like i think that as an artist it's on you to at least make sure that it's the same quality 
if it's not going to be better, it's got to at least maintain where you were before because you are going to get people that pay money that buy the music that you don't want to have them have an expectation for quality only to get it and realize it's worse. Yeah, yeah. I I even I even struggle with that too though cuz I I would cuz quality um in some respects quality is uh in some respects quality is um subjective. Uh I think that you know when it's objective and when it's not. Like you can tell you know, we, we put out our live, our live stream of contagion fest and it's like really bad quality. Um, and you know, our, our new music that is coming out is 10 times better than the live stream, uh, performance that, that I did with, uh, contagion fest. But, um, so you can tell when it's objectively bad, but there are people like new skillet album came out new skillet album. They did a lot of their own home, uh, home recordings. I think they, they produced some of their own stuff and sent it to their, to their, uh, mix and masters. Um, and it's definitely lower quality than Demit than, uh, what was the previous one? Victorious dominion is seemingly less quality than victorious. And, but yet it's doing well, like it's still, it's still a really good album. It's, I, I love more songs on dominion than I do th their previous album. Beartooth is another one, right? Beartooth and, <laughs> uh, Beartooth. I, the dominion. Okay. I, I have been a skillet fan since collide. Okay. Got it. Got it. Dominion, are we getting into this? Are we doing this? Dominion was the first album that I've listened to since Collide that I did not like a single song on the album. There was all not right, a all right. single when I listened through it on because I I used to have a 45 minute drive to work. That's enough time to listen. That album was like 48 minutes long. I had uh -huh. enough time to like get in my car and then get to work and finish the last song in the car parking lot. I listened to it and did not save a single song on Spotify from that entire album. And that's the first album sense collide that there's not one song that i saved on spotify that's so crazy because i feel like that's the first album since collide that sounds the most like collide that's how i that's how i felt about it because collide was pretty raw like collide was pretty um collide was pretty it was like a, a more raw album i felt like i felt like they used a little bit more um distortion in their like guitars a little bit more mix and mastering like muddiness that, that they took advantage of to make it sound a little more grungy. And uh, I feel like that was a little bit of what I felt in Dominion. And like, again, like that two, two very different reactions to the same album. Right. So quality may have been like so bad for you uh, from it, Skillet. It wasn't so much quality. Uh -huh. um, to me, it, it was bland. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I found it. Just, so like to, to be honest as well, Collide, is not my favorite skillet album. That's where uh -huh. I discovered them was with collide and forward. And I think they got better and better. So they, they peaked, um, with awake in my opinion. So collide was, was good. Comatose was really good. Awake was where they peaked. Rise was really good. Um, what was it? Unleashed after that was solid. And then victorious was solid. And then I just, I don't know. Then, Dominion was just bland to me. That's yeah. Got no, it. Got cool. it. No, it's cool, man. It's cool. And White Horse was weird. White Horse was weird. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll I'll be with you so, on that one. So that for one sure. wasn't that one wasn't bland so much as weird. Like there's there's bland like this food needs salt, and then there's there's weird like why did you put ranch dressing on your Jello? 
Uh-huh. You know, like there's there's different. The ranch dressing on Jello isn't bland. It's flavorful, I'm sure, but it's weird. And I don't. Yeah, want yeah. It, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like you know maybe this. I'm I'm a I'm a. I like pulling Easter eggs out of songs and um and whether they're intentional Easter eggs or not, I like pulling Easter eggs out of songs. So like you'll, uh, I have a playlist that I'm going to put out and I'm going to share that is the inspiration behind to the ground. And it's a lot of different songs that I feel like were in my mind while I was writing the song, um, from words that are, that are included lyrics that are included attitude that I felt like a song I wanted it to sound like kind of, you know, like, the, the album I was listening to at the time, like diff- different inspirations behind it. And so like, I'll listen to the new Skillet album, Dominion, and I'm like, okay, uh, you know, uh, Standing in the Storm, like I know this, I know they probably don't play Fortnite, but like Standing in the Storm, like never before, man, I, I've stood in the storm on Fortnite and like, it's not, it, it's tough, man. You got to get back out of the storm to be able to continue, you know, just little things like that, little fun little nuggets of, of Easter eggs. And uh, to me, there were a lot of those in that album. Um, even even like, oh, man, I connected so much going back to our conversation about being in the Valley of the Shadow of Death in the Valley of Death. Like, I feel like that's such a dramatic song compared to most of the other songs that they've written. And I connected with that one a lot when we went through uh, what we went through. So, it, you know, for everybody, it's going to be it's going to be different. I'm, I'm very much so like a lyrics and Easter eggy kind of guy. And I felt like that was, uh, that was a lot that what I felt in the skillet album, but like, you know, each of us get to have our own opinions, man. <laughs> I still love you. We don't have to agree on, I feel like it's not a Christian forum and a, not a Christian podcast and not a, not a Christian like friendship. If you don't find some sort of line that you, that you aren't on the same side of with skillet, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I I don't have any issues with Skillet. Like I I listened to them for years and for years they were my favorite band. I just I don't know. I I don't want to say like I've outgrown them because that implies that like I've moved on to better things. But my my taste in music has changed significantly. Yeah, yeah. And if if I were to discover them today, I wouldn't I wouldn't care for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but because I discovered them when I was 15 years old, first getting into rock and metal, they were like the first real heavy band that I listened to. You know, some people are going to be like, that's not heavy. Okay, like first hard rock band, you know, that I ever listened to. So there's always going to be like a spot that I have for them, you know? Oh, of course. Yeah. But yeah. Dude, heavy, to- heavy for me growing up was Jeremy Camp, Take My Life, bro. When he was like, oh, take my life, you know? <laughs> a lot of people are like, "How you're a metal fan? How can you not like Slipknot?" I'm like, Ooh. because when I listened to music at that level of heaviness, if you want to call it that, I never listened to Slipknot. Mm-hmm. Now I I listen to Slipknot. I'm like, this is soft. I'm not. This is not what I listen yeah. to now. So because I never got into them back when I listened to that style of music, I I don't really care for it now. You know, so it, like, it's I'm, like. Yeah, yeah, it's like growing up as kids and, uh, you know, you watch something like, you know, what's not too gory because I don't want to make it too gory on your show or anything. But like John Wick, (laughs) you see John Wick where there might be blood or there might be stuff going on. Right. Or Mortal Kombat or whatever. And um, 
and people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you grew up and didn't watch Dragon Ball Z, you know, or I can't believe you grew up and you didn't watch Yu-Gi-Oh or you didn't watch Pokemon or you didn't watch whatever it was. Right. And it's like, well, I was too busy watching the other thing. Right. Like, right. Yeah. You know, just, it's just a world that you didn't become a part of. And now that you're an adult, right. are you going to go back and li- watch Dragon Ball Z? Probably not. Are you going to yeah. go back and watch, you know, whatever? Um, so like, that's, that's just the, the way it is with these bands. I was the same. I didn't grow up listening to uh, Slipknot. And um, I, I have, again, like an Easter egg kind of guy, I've heard a lot of Christian bands say that Slipknot was their inspiration. And I actually love hearing in songs specific parts where I'm like, oh, I could see where like Disciple probably pulled this from one of these songs or like, hey, Project 86. Yeah, I can I can see where they might have pulled that from one of these songs or Demon Hunter. Like, OK, yeah this kind of voice that Slipknot has for this thing. Like, all right, I, I, I kind of see those similarities there and where they might've pulled from there. And uh, yeah, I love, I love making those connections. I was going to recommend a band that we actually had on the podcast and they're not together anymore, but I am completely blanking on the name of the band because It's a band. Is it, it a is, Christian band or a non-Christian it band? It is because their stuff is the most, they're the most slipknot sounding Christian band I've ever heard. Okay. And I, I was going to plug them even though they're, they're not together anymore. And I'm, I'm blanking on what the name of the band is. They're the most slipknot sounding band in the world. It, the, of the Christian slip, music. Yeah. Now I, it's going to, it's going to kill me. So not together uh, anymore. It's not like since October. Or no, they they um slipknot. Okay, slipknot well, sounding. I I will figure it out. Okay. Why don't you? Because we haven't really even started, even talked about your 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 music that's coming out. That that's not important. That stuff's not important. No, no worries. So, well, while <laughs> I figure out what the band is, why don't you talk about um to the ground and a little bit of the the what you like in the music or, you know, the, the idea behind the song, the lyrics. That kind of thing. Okay, so while <laughs> yeah, you yeah. talk about that, I will figure out what that band is because it's really annoying me that I can't remember. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. Yeah. So, uh, so to the ground. So the re- the reason why I've kind of alluded to this, like, um, discernment that Christian bands or Christians in bands might have towards, uh, labeling themselves as Christians in their songs and stuff is actually because of a huge insecurity that I have about this song uh, to the ground, because it's like, it's a fight song. Like to the ground is a hard, like hard, fast, loud fight song. Um, if you, if you remember songs like thousand for crutch rock fist, you know, like, uh, yeah. or like skillet monster, you know, like, to the ground is totally that kind of song. Uh, it it is not going to be a song you will find much theological, uh, <laughs> to, much much theology to pull from. Uh, and the story behind the song is is that uh, I had some songs that I had written uh, for Classic Disaster when it was just like a solo project. And when I met Josh Walker uh, through Andrew Stanton from Disciple, and uh, we came together and we started writing some music together, uh, me and Josh, and like. He, uh, we came up with two songs that are not this song and we started writing riffs for it. And as, um, as we're communicating about songs, we're sending each other demos and stuff. And I forget whether he sent me a demo first or if I sent him these lyrics first, but I was like, bro, he does, he does guitar 
He serves in church and he does mixed martial arts and jujitsu stuff. So I was like, bro, I want to, I want to like write you a song for like mixed martial arts. I want to write a song like, cause I work out and I do Spartan race stuff. Like I want to write a song that's very like, you know, uh, fight orientated, meeting a challenge, overcoming obstacles, being confident, strong and courageous, you know, that kind of, you know, Joshua one nine kind of attitude, you know, uh, which is not an attitude that I ever grew up having. Like I, I never grew up thinking that I was going to be, uh, someone who would, uh, be the one to win a prize or win a race or, um, have confidence in myself. Like there's something I like lifelong have struggled with. I'm, I'm not the guy who is meant to do that. Like it's not me. And so I've always struggled with having like confidence in myself or confidence in my abilities to do things. Um, and so like, I wanted to write a song that would be uh, a, a very like confident song for the use of <laughs> MMA or fighting or racing or just working out or just something like that. A very rock fist kind of song. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I like came up with these lyrics. I was in like the car and I came up with these lyrics and I sent them over to him and I was like, dude, are you cool with this? Do you like, does this sound good? Do you like this? And he's like, yeah, man, let's do it. And it was the first song that we like start to finish ended up writing. Um, that was like complete lyrics done song re demo recorded, all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the story behind to the ground. And it's, it is, it is what it sounds like. It's a song that is about uh, overcoming your enemy, whether that be an opponent that's with you uh, in the ring or whether that's a challenge that you have to face. Or honestly, as I've been listening to the song more and more, um, whether that's your own sin nature. Like I think of songs like Project 86, um, Sincerely Ichabod, where it's kind of talking about your own sin, na sin nature and off with his head, you know, like you, you're trying to kill the old man, right? There's this constant battle that we have with ourselves, like any battle that you might be in. Um, this is a song that's just talking about being strong through it, being courageous, not being afraid. There's lyrics in there that say like, I have no reason to think that I won't make it out alive. Like our, our life is eternal in Christ. Like we have no reason to fear death in this life. Like there's no reason for us to be afraid. There's no reason for us to uh, hold back what God is, what God has given us. And so like, this is that kind of fight song. <laughs> and I've felt super insecure about it because um, I've, I've been getting so close with so many amazing Christian artists who put so much theology in their songs and I feel so lame coming out with, <laughs> with this song, with our band coming out with this song that's so not uh, that's so not the theological uh, in nature. Um, but I hope that the the you know the first hour of this podcast has shown that I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not untheologically minded. You know, <laughs> See, that's the thing is that like when I, I I was listening to it earlier, like that that I did kind of notice that I'm like it's it's a good song there's not a lot of like meat here, you know? Right. Right. Like the first hour of the podcast, you're just sitting there with a theological discussion. I'm like, this is the guy that wrote that song. Like, no. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I hope this brings some clarity too. like, um, if I wanted to write a theological song, totally could, man. I I'm, I'm totally, uh, I'm totally capable of doing that. Like I went to a super theological college and, and, uh, and so like, I know, um, I, I, I could, I could make the songs that way. I know for myself 
the songs that I have connected with the most are the songs that I almost feel like are, are cries out to God, are prayers in and of themselves. And, um, and you'll, you'll get that with the next, the next single that's coming out for sure. Um, but the, um, the songs that I've connected with the most are the ones that feel the most, uh, almost plain and bland. Like they're, they're very like Beartooth songs are, are like kind of my favorite, uh, general metal songs, uh, in that sense. Like it's very like, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at. There's not a lot of metaphors in it. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of like lyrical depth to it, but this is really what I'm feeling. And, uh, that that is the kind of music that classic disaster has like put out um or that has has uh set out to put out in uh in lyrics and in music and stuff so um you know i'm excited for for that to come out in the other songs that we're writing this particular song is definitely more of like a fight song uh and that was intentional too because i i i know for me and my for uh, my childhood and what i grew up with when i first heard thousand for crutch like i was I was listening to Rockfest to uh, Rockfest and Move, you know. Uh, when I first listened to Skillet, it was with like um, with uh, Monster and you know some some of these very almost like radioy you know plain kind of songs. And so I wanted this first song to be a general song from us that is like this is our sound, <laughs> you know, this is our sound and this is our attitude going into it as a band. Like you know, this this is us. <laughs> So you've been playing live shows. Yeah. yeah. You don't have any original re- music released yet. So have, right. Right. Do you have stuff written that you've been playing or you've been playing covers or a mix or like what, what stuff have you been playing? No, we got six songs that are original songs. Um, and uh, we have other songs that we're uh, waiting on, on writing. So the, the beautiful thing that uh, Josh and I were able to do uh, was that we had a year where it was just us writing music together. And so there's there's plenty of songs that are written um, that we have uh, stored in like a, doc, uh, a uh, Google Drive, you know, folder with demos and stuff. So there's plenty of songs that are like done. We can change them up. We can work on them later. There's six songs that we decided were going to be a part of this EP that we're putting out over the next year. And we've been using those songs live in uh, in our concert. So To the Ground is our first one that we'll be releasing and the rest will be coming out throughout the year. Okay. I was I was just curious because I was like, you talked about playing shows and stuff. I'm like, you haven't even released music yet. So yeah. like... Well, that's why I'm able to give a 30-minute sermon because we just play yeah, one song and you then... You play the you one know. song. And then, <laughs> well, like the first show we ever played was our EP release show for Down with Leviathan. And uh-huh. there's only five songs on it, but we played 10. Like, we played five covers with it, you know? Yeah, to, yeah. To, to fill in the, the gaps and whatnot. I, I'm good with doing covers. And we did do uh, Oh Holy Night, and uh, we actually were able to play that for one show. That was super cool. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we I want... So, Oh Holy Night... And I, and I talked about this with Hunter, but Oh Holy Night was the first first song because for one, I was like, I really want to just get music out there. And um, because all of us have jobs and because all of us uh, are doing other things with our life, I really wanted to take an opportunity to do that at the end of the year in 2022. 
to just put it out there and say, hey, we're here and we're going to be putting out original stuff next year and, um, you know, keep your eyes on us. And it, it was kind of like a like, you know, a, a, a introduction, basically, and to know our hearts, like if we're going to pick a Christmas song to do a cover on, I want it to be Oh, Holy Night. You know, the the tag of the song that we put in the beginning of the song and throughout the song was praise his holy name. Like that is that is our heart as people is that we want to praise his holy name with our with our lives. And so like um, that was the reason why that was the first song that we released. It was a cover, but it was a good reflection of where our hearts are at with our walk with Christ and with what we want to uh with what we are as a band, honestly, like falling on our knees to God, like there are real things that we go through. Like I talked about being in the shadow of, of death, the real things that we go through, we want to be able to fall on our knees to God and to go to him with those things and praise his name through that. So um, really felt like Oh Holy Night was a good representation of that. And that's why it was the first release and the first thing that we did. Original song wise, though, uh, because To the Ground was the first song that we had completed uh, as a song and for our drummer, Zach, um, when he came into the band, he actually auditioned with that song and it was the first song that we completed together. It's the first song in our performance and our lineup. So it's just like, okay, it makes sense that this is the first song that we release and, uh, we want to have fun with that and just, just put it out there like that. So, um, yeah, but we do have five other songs that are, um, that are songs that we perform with, with messages about like, um, being chained to the expectations that people have on us and the expectations that we have on ourselves, and wanting to cry out to God and saying like, I know that I'm not the man that I should be. Um, and I'm on my knees crying out to you. Like that's, that is, uh, that's going to come out in the next song escape. We've got songs about being blind to this, to the situations that we're in, maybe in work or church or relationships to where we're taking advantage of and, want to leave those situations and understand um, that that is not a reflection of God, that that is its own thing that needs to, that we can walk away from and still trust God. Um, Suffering is the big one uh, for us. That's the song that I, that we play after our testimony. And it's about how there's suffering in the world. um, And we may not understand why that suffering happens, uh, but we know who does and we know who is, who is ultimately the one that we can turn to for that. Um, and, uh, we want to be a part of his plan in, in, uh, being there for people in that suffering. So, uh, yeah, just messages like that, man, that's, that's what's coming. And we're excited for that. And those are messages that we share in our shows. Uh, those are messages that we, I, I obviously talk a lot. And so I've talked about these songs during our shows as well and explained them. Uh, and yeah, man, that's, that's us. <laughs> so you can understand how I'm a little insecure about this song coming out. And like, that's, that's the reaction that I do foresee people having, like listening to the song. And it's like, Oh, I know Adam. He talks a lot about the Bible. This song doesn't talk a lot about the Bible though, <laughs> but I'm hoping people know me enough to know that that's coming. <laughs> so two things. First, the band was slaves to change. Is the name Awesome. Of the awesome. Um, particularly, um, their songs, uh, conquerors and vulgar, those okay. two songs more than any others really make me think slipknot. And I had to like, look it up because it was bothering me and all that, but got um, it, got it. I'm uh, writing it down right they, now. So I don't forget. They, they worked, I think it was with Matt Griner from August Burns Red. 
and uh, I don't know if it's Matt that does the the mixing and mastering for August Burns Red or not, but whoever does the mixing and mastering for August Burns Red, that's who they worked with for for their stuff. Oh, sweet. So the, the quality's really good. That's that's one of the things that I was like, man, I'm kind of surprised these guys didn't go anywhere, you know, because the quality was really good. The music was really good, but it is what it is. Um, secondly, though, is there anything else you want to, to share about Classic Disaster, about anything upcoming, anything exciting? Obviously, you're talking about this EP that's coming out sometime at it through the course of this year. Yeah, um, we wanted to have uh, a little bit of the attitude of kind of the Memphis Mayfire uh, releases where, you know, we'll release a song. We've got uh, if you if you want to support us and you want to follow our journey and want to do all that, like everything can be found at our link tree. Um, we have like a Wix site website, and that's awesome because it's a host of our merch and you'll see that in the link tree. But our link tree is just L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. So if, if you've used Linktree before, you know that the dot is before the E. Uh, Linktree slash Classic Disaster. And um, everything's on there. But we are going to be releasing merch for uh, To The Ground. Um, I have a this CD that if you go to a live show, we're going to be selling some of these. And this has just the track, the instrumental, and then a commentary with it. Just talking about us and our our hearts. Um, a little bit of the testimony of, of us as a band. And... Um, yeah, just uh, stay tuned. The song's coming out March 31st, and uh, it'll be out to radio hopefully on Monday, on uh, this Monday. So it'll be March 27th. And so I think this is going to come out probably uh, the 31st or something Epi- at that point. Yeah, episodes release uh, Friday at midnight every week. Got it, so got this it. is the 31st episode. We try to, cool, we try cool. to line so, things up when we have releases that were ahead of the game. We try to line it up for release day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess, I guess the other thing I'll say too, is like, you know, thank you obviously for, for having me on the show and for helping me to be a part of this. And I, I really do want to connect with more believers and connect with more of these conversations. Cause I think that they're important. I do think that there are people who, even if they're not a part of these conversations, they're thinking about a lot of these things that, you talk about that you guys talk about like it's been so cool to see on your show so many great conversations so much scripture shared um people being saved like you being able to talk you you said that you were talking with somebody just last week about their uh them wanting to come to christ and feeling tugging on their heart like beautiful beautiful stuff man happening through your show so like thank you for even inviting me on here and being a part of this um so like and thank everybody who's like helped us during this journey um i will probably disappoint you in the christianness of our music uh and the and you know it even the songs that i do cry out to god and say god and jesus and do all that stuff i i for some of my very like theological minded friends i may disappoint you uh with the music in that regard but i hope that i don't disappoint you as me as a person because you know this whole pod, the whole hour that we just spent <laughs> talking about theology, that's me. You know, that's actually me. And that's, and that's honestly, that's uh, us as a group. We, we all are serving in church. We're all biblically minded. We're all going through things in our lives um, and trying to glorify God with what we do. And uh, 
you know, I just uh, hope that if you've got an issue with the music that you talk to me about it, you talk to us about it. And I'd love to have that conversation. If you have issues with their music, just go blast them online and don't say anything to them. Just absolutely trash them. Yeah, yeah. actually, actually, yes. If you do have issues, just say that we suck because it's worked out great for Blue Fire (laughs) (laughs) Horizon. You got a point. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Adam, for hopping on. Uh, Everybody, make sure you go follow Classic Disaster on social media. We'll put all the links in the, uh, the description of the episode as usual. Uh, we'll go and listen to their song today so you can, you know, you, you'll get the the taste of it at the end of the episode here because it'll get played at the end of the episode and then go save it on Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is you listen to music and make sure you pay attention for more to come. And, yeah, one, one more thing, just just yeah. real quick. Sorry, um, you know, and I just want to share with anybody that's listening that, that whatever you are going through, whatever it is that you're going through, like you are not alone and no, I may not know what you are feeling and I may not be able to identify completely with what you're going through and what you're feeling. Um, but, you know, send Zachariah a message, send Hunter a message, send me a message, send, reach out to somebody, that friend that you have that always like tries to encourage you to come to church or tries to reach out to you, like listen to that friend, like go to those people who you know care about your soul and care about your eternal security go to those people and and like just see what happens see how that conversation goes because i think that again like we are i'm i'm truly convinced that we are all at different points of our life in that valley of the shadow of death and we do need each other to point us to christ and we do need each other to be able to recognize that god is with us even in the midst of that even in the midst of the darkest thing that you could possibly feel god wants you to turn to him and not to anything else so just wanted to share that real quick perfect well said thank you um so here is the debut original release from classic disaster to the ground you can help support us by heading over to anchor.fm forward slash twie pod and clicking on the donate button where you can select one of a few monthly donation rates of one dollar five dollars or ten dollars all money helps keep this podcast up and running as well as supports lesser-known Christian artists. Thank you for listening, and God bless.